Hey, welcome to the fourth episode of Resilience and Opportunity. I'm your host, Mark Lampman, recording here in sunny Orlando, Florida. Today is June 7th, 2019. All right, so as I promised last week... So just before we start off here, I need to take a quick moment and dedicate today's episode to Biz. She's the only person that throughout all the blog posting and podcasting I've done, took a moment to say, hey, Mark, what are you talking about with this concept? So it's because of her question that I got around to making this podcast. She really got to the the root of what I'm talking about in the world of sustainability. So uh, much appreciated, Biz. This one's for you. So today's main topic is on a concept that's going to seem foreign to most of us. It's not an idea that we've really come across in our day-to-day travels, but once I get into a few examples and put a little meat on this bone, I think you'll really have an aha moment and think to yourself, God, okay, this is something I've always understood implicitly, but never had given it a name before. I do have to warn you that understanding this simple concept may alter the way you view the world and perhaps put you on a dangerous track. Who knows, maybe you'll find yourself a few years down the road talking to a microphone in a quiet house somewhere. The fancy economic term for this concept is externalities, but really what we're talking about are positive and negative costs that aren't realized by the sticker price of a good or service that you're buying. This concept also exists beyond the economic and business realms and just our regular day-to-day lives. Take, for example, the problem Floridians face when it comes to Publix buy one, get one sales. For those of you who don't know, Publix is a Florida institution which has perfected the art of filling pantries and cabinets with unnecessary amounts of crackers, canned goods, and the like. We Lampmans have fortunately been Floridians long enough now to have built up natural defenses against Publix BOGO traps. But all that broke down not too long ago when they started selling Tillamook ice cream. Tillamook ice cream, for the uninitiated, is an absolutely amazing experience. It's exactly the kind of incredible ice cream you'd expect from a beautiful Oregon seacoast dairy community by the same name. Weighing this scenario's negative and positive externalities is a little tough. On one hand, you get twice the amount of ice cream for the same price. But on the other hand, now you have twice as much ice cream for the same price. Those who ration the ice cream out over a longer period of time experience a net benefit in terms of the cost of the ice cream. However, for mortals who uh, are less fortunate, you are stuck facing the negative externalities of now picking up the pace in that treadmill, swimming a couple extra laps, or just facing down greater sense of uh, sadness and regret. Other observations of externalities out in the wild are a little bit more subtle and perhaps a little bit more surprising than my Tillamook Oregon strawberry flavored ice cream example. Take, for example, the simple act of composting kitchen waste. Now, I know what you're thinking. Mark's just going to simply read to me from the Hippie's Guide to Living a Better Life, but stay with me for a second. The obvious beneficiary of composting your kitchen waste is your garden soil, but beyond that, there are a few less obvious positive externalities to consider. A lot of municipalities across the country, to include Orlando, encourage and incentivize their customers to compost simply as a cost-saving measure. If you think about how much organic waste is thrown out by each individual person and then multiply that by thousands of customers, multiply that by 365 days a year, pretty soon you're talking about real volume. 
you start adding that volume up in the aggregate, and pretty soon you're talking about full truckloads that no longer have to crisscross our communities day in and day out. Obviously, we're talking about an incremental decrease, but what are the commensurate incremental cost savings for not having to send those crews and trucks down the road? A longer conversation for another day when we talk about behavioral economics. But as a prelude to that, it kills me when municipalities extol the virtues of composting from the garden soil angle and all but ignore the cost savings that comes with making the simple change to our everyday routine. I'm absolutely convinced that municipalities could boost participation in their compost programs by elevating some of these positive externalities that we discussed and making that the forefront of their advertising initiatives to their to the ratepayers. Let me know that setting less trash out of my corner can help me reduce the upper pressure on my monthly fees. Make me consider just how nice it would be to reduce the number of garbage truck runs crisscrossing our communities, even if it is just an incremental reduction. Remember all those times you're happy to see a garbage truck stopped in front of you at a stoplight? So anyone who's followed me for a while know that I have a bit of an unhealthy affinity, perhaps infatuation with electric lawn care equipment. It's not uncommon for me to post pictures on Instagram of my watch, my electric lawnmower, and what I'm listening to on my phone. Those pictures are often taken with my son riding on my shoulder, the LED lights on the lawnmower lighting the way and just as the sun's getting ready to set, and Orlando's temperatures are just starting to dip below torturous. So compare that scene of a guy mowing a lawn with his son on his shoulders, no earplugs necessary, mowing at the cooler part of the day thanks to his LED headlights, to the good old days of filling a gas can up and hoping it doesn't fall over in the back of your car on the way home, getting home hoping that the lawnmower starts on the first pull, if not having to play the choke game to the satisfaction of the carburetor gods. The best you can hope for with gas-powered lawn care equipment is you get to listen to lug, 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 for a couple hours or so every month. I love the simplistic example that ranting about electric versus gas-powered lawn care equipment provides. It's a topic that we're all very familiar with, yet its lessons can really be applied across a wide variety of sustainability topics, from the electrification of transportation to the future of agriculture. As a quick side note, if you're interested in joining Mac, Josh, Tom, one of my neighbors, and I'm sure a few strangers I've harassed along the way and going electric. Recommend you read my blog post, Silence of the Lawn, and make sure you buy good equipment. Like the old adage says, you get what you pay for, so don't expect too much of a dollar store lawnmower. Please do reach out if I can answer any questions for you on this topic. Always here. Always happy to help. I think of negative externalities, or simply costs that aren't realized by the sticker price of the product or service you're selling, as the currency on which sustainable solutions trade. I love to look for opportunities for governments, businesses, individuals, or nonprofits to achieve a competitive advantage by addressing these externalities. The anger I harbored for combustible engine-powered lawn care equipment in my own yard quickly led me to consider whether there was a competitive advantage on the commercial side for people in that line of business. It wasn't too long, and I found that there's actually several companies and several equipment manufacturers that are already ahead of this game on this and are building this market as we speak. So again, to frame this in terms of externalities, 
Just think about the commercial business line. Think about a scenario in which the noise of leaf blowers, lawnmowers, weed eaters, edgers interfere with the operations of the customer you're trying to serve. This idea really hit home not too long ago when I was up at Stetson University just north of Orlando. I was there talking with Professor and Chair of Environmental Sciences, Dr. Wendy Anderson, about the school's growing offering of sustainability-focused courses and programs across several of its academic disciplines. We're in the middle of doing a campus tour when all of a sudden a cacophony of lawnmower and leaf blower noise brought our conversation to a halt. So imagine if you're those students, you're those professors trying to get your work done, trying to communicate, and all of a sudden you're interrupted by just this constant, unpredictable deluge of gas-powered noise. Now imagine you're a commercial landscape company, and you're looking for a competitive advantage and perhaps a way to boost your margins. Does it make sense for you to make the investment in admittedly more expensive equipment, but equipment that enhances your customer's work environment, improves the auditory, respiratory, and general health of your employees by reducing and in some cases eliminating their exposure to harmful and persistent elevated noise levels and dangerous exhaust fumes. Exhaust fumes, which, by the way, are measured in their number of cars equivalent. So what would be some of the less obvious benefits to operating an all-electric landscape company? Would providing a healthier and more enjoyable work environment benefit a company's employee retention and recruiting efforts for those employees who spend their day operating this equipment? I love the example of a less apparent benefit to operating electric equipment provided via Facebook by Aaron and Chris, owners of Vero Beach, Florida's Kick Gas Lawns. A crew of three at an average of $16 an hour per person, filling up equipment three times a week for approximately 20 minutes at a stop, would cost Kick Gas Lawns approximately $2,400 a year. Chris and Aaron went on to estimate that reducing their time at the gas pump allows them to service three more accounts per week. That equates to about $4,000 in additional income over the course of a year. So all told, Kit Gas Lawns is able to save nearly $7,000 a year by operating electric equipment, all before factoring in the fuel cost savings itself. Perhaps a longer Facebook message for another time, but I'd love to hear how the economics of maintenance costs factor into the decision to operate electric equipment. All right, so that represents my best effort to weave together the disparate worlds of externalities, composting, ice cream, and electric-powered lawn care. Please do reach out via my website, Resilience and Opportunity, R-E-S-I-L-O-P-P, or social media, email, all the usual. Love to hear this episode, change your thoughts on composting, perhaps influence your ice cream preferences. Or set you on the path to a brand new shiny electric lawnmower. Let me know about those aha moments when you're at work or you're at home at the grocery store and you say, oh, you know what? This is what Mark's talking about. This is an example of a cost that's not factored into the sticker price. Or this is a cost that doesn't represent the, the full burden associated with a purchase, government policy, or environmental exposure. I'd love to hear stories about companies, government organizations, nonprofits, and even individual efforts to leverage sustainability in order to establish a competitive advantage. Or maybe you have an idea of how you can create a competitive advantage by identifying and addressing an unrealized cost for your customer base. Thanks again to Biz, whose question all those months ago set this podcast episode in motion. And thank you to Aaron and Chris of Kick Gas Lawns 
This show benefited greatly from your insider input. All right, so this wraps up episode four, Resilience and Opportunity. Again, I'm your host, Mark Lampman, like a lamp and a man. Thanks again to all of you for listening in this week. As I mentioned before, these are the ideas and topics I involuntarily contemplate on a daily basis. So I greatly appreciate you taking the time to keep me company. Be sure to check in next week when I tackle topics that can drive me nuts for as long as I can remember. I want to get into what I believe are the fundamental limitations to the way that we think of sustainability and climate change. Both the severity of the issues being addressed and the need to build a more inclusive audience. This episode will shine a little light on why I designed Resilience and Opportunity the way I did, the color scheme I used, and the thought process behind my logo. All the best until then.